Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 53 of the Ask the Coach Show, the coach where we answer the coach, the show where we answer your table tennis questions. In today's show, we talk about table tennis records, types of bats, slow toss spins, the floating elbow, and service rules in doubles. And as always, here with me to help answer your questions is Super Coach Alois Rosario. Welcome, Alois. Morning, Jeff. How are you this morning? Yes, I'm very good, thank you. Um, yes, it's a maybe our last show for the year. We might do a couple more, but um, I'm pretty excited about today's show, Alois. Yeah, uh, yeah, you got got some good questions up there, Jeffrey. Indeed, we certainly do. Um, but we have a bit of a discussion topic first because um, there was a bit of talk about the world's longest table tennis rally, um, Alois. So we want to know um, what are the world ping pong records which you think that you can break. It's an interesting one. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, I've always thought about the, the longest rally, um, but... I reckon that'd be really difficult, you know, like just to keep the ball. It's eight hours and 40 minutes, like like to keep the ball in play for that long. That is a long time with one rally. Yeah, that is a very long time. And what do you do um, for um, food during that time? I don't know. Food and food and rest breaks and stuff. I'm not sure what the, uh, what the rules are. Maybe you've just got to keep going. I don't know. Yeah, I had thought that that was a world record that, could be broken a while back, Alice, and um, Brett Clark and myself actually did a practice run to see how we would go, and we were just sort of just hitting the ball back and forth really slow, and we went for about an hour, and then we thought, oh, what happens if um, I need a drink? So um, someone brought a drink over, and then uh, Brett tried to drink it, and then just missed the ball <laughs> after an hour. And I can imagine you were going for that world's longest rally, and you got to like five hours. You'd start to get so nervous that you'd, you'd mess it up and wreck it after all that time. Yeah, I, I think this is a lot of pressure. I think that's just an amazing record. Eight hours in a row, like just to keep your concentration for like one hour is amazing. Like to keep your concentration for eight hours so you don't make a mistake, wow. I yeah, so all done to the, uh, to the eyes on that record. Very impressive. Yeah. Uh, the other one that is interesting, I'm not quite sure what the record is now, what about the um, most counter hits in a minute? Yeah, that would be an interesting one. I'm not sure what it is. Maybe some of our uh, Ping Skillers viewers know what uh, what that record is, but yeah, maybe that's a possible one. Um, I reckon there's Depending on how high it currently is, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> if, it, if it's 25, I reckon I've got a chance. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so, well, let us know what are the records that you think you can break. Uh, it would be interesting to hear your thoughts. And and if you know any of the other record, interesting records about table tennis, that would be good to uh, to hear your thoughts too. Yes. All right. So um, yesterday's Ping Skills question of the day was, uh, will you play table tennis on Christmas Day? Uh, I don't think I'll make it. Like... <laughs> You just eat so much that I don't think I could even stand up. I, but having said that, I have actually played on Christmas Day. I remember uh, going down to the old table ten, the Coburg Table Tennis Club and playing on Christmas Day after Christmas lunch. A um, few, few friends uh, headed down there and we, we actually did a training session because we were in the middle of our uh, National League. We went down and had a practice. So, yeah, it's been done. 
That is dedication, Alloys. I'm not sure I'll be having a practice, but um, we've got a lot of kids around on Christmas Day, and so I'm sure we will have a little um, a little hit of table tennis. Yeah, that'll be yes. good. Excellent. All right, so the Pink Seals question for today is, what has been your personal table tennis highlight of 2014? So, as always, leave a leave a response in the comments, and we'd love to hear your highlights. Okay. All right, are you ready, Alois? I am. I'm ready. All right, here we go. First question is from uh, Llewellyn, who says, which side should be your forehand, the nubby or the smooth side? Oh, it's actually from Jacob Llewellyn. Yes. Um, yeah, interesting. Um, I'm guessing that nubby means pimply bat, so something like that. You know, got some pimple. Still. Oh, sorry. Hold it still for me, Al. Hello. Can you see those pimples? Yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah, I'm guessing that's what nubby means. Um, firstly, if you're learning strokes and developing, it's probably better if you don't have a nubby side at all. It's probably better if you have um, inverted rubber on both sides. So, you know, just something with um, with a bit of sponge underneath it um, so that you can learn learn the strokes well. Yeah, that's a good point, Alois. But I remember when I was, um, you know, first started playing in my friend's house, he had two types of bats. He had uh, one that had those pimples on both sides and then he had this other one that did have a smooth side on both sides, but because it had been, like it was a cheap pre-made bat, I think, but because it had been around for so long, it too had absolutely no grip on it. Ah, okay. So he had nubby and anti. So, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and that's, I mean, it, that's one of the things we talk about a lot, you know, just making sure that you've got a simple bat that you can learn with. So it has to have a bit of grip on it. If it hasn't got any grip on the surface of the rubber, then you're not going to be able to le really learn those techniques. So, so okay. first up, yeah. So first up, get a good bat that has smooth rubber and grippy rubber. Not smooth, yes. it's actually, we call it inverted rubber, that is actually grippy on both sides. Yeah, absolutely. So get those, get that grippy rubber first um, on both sides. But if you do happen to have a bat with nubby on one side, it's probably better to have it on your backhand side um, just because you, your forehand will probably develop a little bit more. But, um, yeah, that, that's, probably, that's probably my best advice for you, Jacob. All right. Thanks for the question, Jacob. All right. Next question is from um, Pascal or Pascale. And the question is, I've been practicing my slow topspin and found a way to not get bored. <laughs> and I was wondering if I do a, if I do ten thousand slow forehand topspins in a week, can I make my stroke consistent enough to start generating speed? And is this good practice? Yeah, Pasquale, it it is good practice. Like anything, where you where you um, getting a bit of focus on your consistency and um, and practicing something um, that much will be good for you. So um, earlier, Pasquale had. had um, Send in a few questions, just saying that you know he he just likes to hit the ball faster, and he does, he he finds um, practicing the slow, consistent um, strokes really boring. Setting yourself a goal like that to do ten thousand um, slow forehand topspins in a week is great because then you've got something in mind, you you know what you're trying to practice, and 
um, you go after it. So Pasquale has sort of updated me and he said um, on the first day he did a thousand and four um, slow forehand top spins. Then he got a bit bored and he wanted to try and, and he tried a few fast ones and they didn't really work for him. Um, so so he's gone back and he's going to do some more just slow forehand top spins, stick to his trying to get 10,000 um, slow forehands in the week or, or so. Um, and, and then you'll see that the stroke will get better. So what's happening to Pasquale is that when he tries to play faster, the stroke becomes different and he starts to do different things with his stroke. So that's really important. You need to get that slow top spin right so your stroke is completely grooved and then when you try to play faster, the, the stroke will hold up as well. So um, yeah, really important. Lots and lots of practice. 10,000 is a great um, number to aim for and then just keep practicing and remember the technique is the is the key. Great. Uh, well done Pascal, that's fantastic. Love your enthusiasm, love the goals you're setting, keep working and I'm sure you'll uh, keep on improving. Well done. Okay, next question is from Daniel Martinez and Daniel says, I find that on my forehand my elbow wants to come up after the stroke, like I'm willing the ball to go over the net and hit the table. Should I be concerned? Is it, my, is it that my stroke is too close to my body, meaning I should use my whole arm? <coughs> yes, okay, so um, this is common, really, really common. I see it a lot, um, the floating elbow, I call it. So, um, so when you're playing your stroke, your elbow should just follow your, your bat up. Often I see this and this happen. So your, your elbow comes up and doesn't follow the same smooth path that your bat does. Um, a couple of things that uh, are likely causes, and probably the one that I see the most that is the problem, is your shoulder tightens up. So as soon as your shoulder tightens up, then your bat, your arm's got nowhere to go, and this happens, okay? So instead of your back flowing through smoothly and all the way up, if you tighten this joint, then the arm's got nowhere to go and the energy goes into lifting your elbow up that way, all right? So so that's the first thing. Really focus on that shoulder joint. And this is, this is a really common issue with table tennis players. The shoulder tries to take over and we try to do too much with that shoulder joint. So really keep that smooth. In that joint, you know, getting in that joint there's a there's a ball and socket and that's all got to move nice and smoothly. If you tighten the muscles around it, that doesn't move properly and you you get thrown off balance. So so that joint there needs to work really really nice and smoothly. Um, the other thing that can happen is that you, if you get too close to the ball, then that you can tend to do that as well. So if you've got a bit more of a swing, a bigger swing, and um, we talk about there, like, you know, Zuzin, nice big swing, then it's hard to get the elbow um, to float up because the arm's going in such a big, big motion. So, yeah, so two things there to try. Um, see how that goes. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and is there any way for people to tell that they're doing that, um, perhaps by looking at their finishing position, or because some of them might not even be aware that they're doing this? Yeah. Um, so one one is to when you're doing when you're doing your stroke to just focus on what's happening here. 
Um, focus on your shoulder. Try to um, keep that as loose and as relaxed as you can, but still making sure that your stroke is moving in the in the right direction. Um, yeah. And so then for the your position, you really want to make sure that your elbows quite away below rather than um, up near your shoulder height. Is that is yeah. that how to check? Yeah. So let, let's think about. Um, like we did yesterday in the show, talk about the 90-90 position. So you want 90 degrees here and 90 degrees here, or a nice corner, straight corner there, straight corner here. If you yeah, if you tense up, then you're going to tend to have either this or this or something like that, something different. So just get it up to that 90-90 position. Great. All right. Well, thank you for the question, Daniel. It's certainly a common problem, and um, hopefully Alois's advice helps everyone out there. So see if you can work on your forehand technique and get a really nice forehand top spin. All right. Moving on to the next question, Alois, from uh, General Specific, who's just asked uh, on our Q&A app. So for everyone watching, um, you can actually ask a question using our Q&A app. App on the Google on our Google Plus page. Okay, so Alice, what are the differences? Sorry, let me start again. What are the differences between chopping with short pips and chopping with long pips? I'm very aware of the differences between the two types of rubber, but do you have any tips on how to achieve a consistent short pips chop on my backhand? Yeah, so a short pips chop um, is pretty similar to. Uh, uh, an inverted rubber chop. Um, just the short pips will give you a little bit more control um, and a little bit less spin. So the stroke is really similar. You know, um, the stroke the stroke for chopping um, is starting up nice and high and coming down um, towards your um, the level of your right of your left knee or your right knee for right-handers. Um, but so with with the with the short pimples. Um, you might need to just turn the bat back a little bit more um, to get a little bit more distance with, with your chop because it, it won't bounce off as much, it's not as fast, um, and you're going to get less spin on it. So the, the, the basic stroke is exactly the same. You know, Think about the same stroke, um, and we'll put a link to um, our backhand chop and forehand chop uh, lessons, um, and then think about just changing the angle a little bit depending on the speed of their shot and also the speed of your rubber. So if it's short pips, you might need to push the ball forward a little bit more. Um, if you've got fast inverted rubber, you can come down more vertically this way rather than pushing it forward more with the short yeah. pips. And so the difference between the long pips and the short pips then is that the short pips will get the the spin of the ball will react slightly more on the short pips than it would on the long pips. So you yeah. might have to just change the angle of your bat slightly when comparing a short pips chop to a long pips chop. Yeah, the, the, and the, the short pips, uh, yeah, that's right. The, the short pips is going to grip the ball a little bit. The long pips, it's just going to keep spinning in the same way. So it will it'll get more spin on um, on the long pips because the ball um, keeps, uh, keeps spinning the same way, basically. Okay, so very similar strokes, just slight differences on the angle of your bat, um, which you will um, deal with when you start chopping. So to achieve a, uh, a consistent short pips chop, yeah, just watch our videos on the chopping. All the principles apply, and um, you just need to practice with the short pips just so you get used to getting the right angle depending on the spin that they put on the ball. 
Hope that helps and thank you for the question. All right, Alois. Les has asked us if you can settle an argument. We love these, Jeff. We love these. We do. Les says that once the ball has left the palm of the server in doubles, if the non-playing hands of any of the four players touches the playing surface during the rally, then it is a fault regardless of whose turn it is. Yep. So, Les, you are right. So, as um, as soon as the ball is in play, so as soon as if, if um, I've served, then if Jeff or Jeff's partner um, puts their hand on the table at any time during the rally, they lose the point. So, it's not only when it's your shot, and it's any time during the rally you're not allowed to touch the point, the, uh, the table. So... So, yes, yeah, so Les, I think you're the winner of that argument. You also asked a, another uh, question. Oh, in sorry, I was just so you're not allowed to touch the table with your non-playing hand. Is that correct? Yeah, sorry, that's right, with your non-playing hand. So And and your non-playing hand is the only thing that isn't allowed to touch the table. So you are allowed to touch the table with your elbow if you want or even with um, your forearm just as long as your non-playing hand doesn't touch the, the surface of the table. Excellent. And so uh, you were saying something else about Les? Yeah, so um, you also asked a, a, an extra question in the Ask the Coach um, question section, um, and that was with players with a disability, are they allowed to touch the table if they've got really bad balance? And the, and the simple answer is um, at the highest level, no, they're not. So they're still not allowed to touch the table surface, um, even if they're, they're very unstable on their feet, um, they've got to keep their their non-playing hand off the table. So they might be able to balance in some other way, but um, yeah, certainly not by touching the table with your non-playing hand. There you go. Well, I hope that settles the, the argument, Les, and thank you very much for the question. All right, well, um, that wraps up the show. So I'm going to cue a bit more uh, Merry Christmas. Ha everyone, have a Merry Christmas, and um, hopefully you have a great Christmas and... We will be back at some stage to um, record a few more shows. And thank you, Alois, for um, a great 53 shows so far. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Yes, 53 shows. That's uh, that's getting up there. And, yes, I, I uh, echo your sentiments, Jeff. I hope uh, everyone out there has a really um, safe and a happy Christmas. And hopefully you maybe might be able to sneak in a little bit of table tennis on Christmas Day. We'll see how you go. Thanks, everyone. See you later. All right. Good one. I was wondering if I had actually... Uh, oh, we're still broadcasting. Bye. Bye, everyone. I, I thought I'd hit the stop broadcast button, Alice, but I hadn't. All right, let me try...